When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We're really sorry we had a few technical difficulties, but we are here and we are ready to talk to you about that fantastic Manchester United win. This is a Masterclass Tactical Podcast. I'm Hader Abanian, joined by my co-host as ever today, Rob. We're finally here. How are you feeling after that 3-2 victory by Manchester United? Three points. It's all that really matters, to be honest, at this stage. We got away with it maybe in the first 20-odd minutes, but we turned it on and I thought... I thought we did well. And I thought we deserved to win the game. Hi, Haydar. Sorry to everyone for that technical hiccup there with StreamYard. That wasn't our fault, but we've uh, we've sorted it out at, uh, at their end now. Good victory, 3-2, some goals, some good goals in the middle of that as well. And some typical Manchester United hiccups at the start and at the end. Um, it seems to be Manchester United all over, doesn't it? This is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's United. They can be scintillating, they can rip teams to shred, they can score amazing goals, and they can be absolutely useless. And we saw that in the first few minutes of the game with the Henderson moment. And then the set piece again from a corner, very basic back post, and they score when our own defender heads it against one of their players. So a good victory, I'll take it. But there were things to talk about, and we'll talk about tonight on the Masterclass. Absolutely. We've got Jamie here. Evening, mate. Thank you. Good three points. Yeah, I agree. Christian, nice to see you. You're already here waiting. Unker as well. Nice to see you. Look, let's start off, Rob, with the formation selection. Oli went to his 4-2-3-1. Matic, Pogba, Bruno's midfield that I've wanted to see for quite a while. Um, we'll talk about it later about Matic and the problems maybe at defensive midfielder. But United set up with strong side. The front three that you like quite a lot with Mason, Martial, Rashford, a back forward which a lot of people would be very happy with. We saw Tellez come back in, obviously Henderson in goal. But same sort of problems starting the game. Terrible mistake by Henderson. And look, just coming to the side, I wouldn't give him too much stick about it. But it's quite frustrating to see us often start games so poorly when we have so many more gear we can go up that we've seen us do tonight and in other games like the West Ham game. For me, I want to ask you why United starting slowly because it's something that's not happened once or twice. I mean, you just have to look at the statistics, Rob. We've conceded a away goal in every Premier League game this season, but we're also the first club to win six away games after conceding. So it's sort of a, a positive and a negative. But why are United starting so slowly and what is it down to? Because it's becoming a repetitive problem. Well, what we saw against Manchester City was United locked in from minute one playing all the way through to the 90th minute. Okay, it was a draw. It was a goalless draw. United didn't create much going forward. I was pleased because they were concentrated and they executed a game plan. 
That's what I wanted to see in that match. Today, we reverted back to type, back to Manchester United, who don't execute game plans, who don't do the basics. You know, in that first minute, of course, it's Henderson's mistake, but this is a young guy coming into the team effectively for the first time in this kind of scenario at his old club, a little bit of pressure. And it's the same old, same old with that little start from the back between Maguire and Lindelof and the goalkeeper, whether you want to be De Gea or whether it's Henderson or even Romero at times in, in years gone by, is that they can't pass the ball between the three of them. That is a problem. But this kind of, uh, I don't want to use the word neglect, but maybe this kind of malaise, that's the word I used on Twitter for it in during the game. This goes throughout the team. And for that first 20 minutes, Manchester United couldn't get going. It was just very slow and cumbersome and lacking ideas. And this is against a Sheffield United team that basically this year are complete bobbins. They're not very good. No one should struggle against a Sheffield United side. Yep, they put up a bit of a fight today. But really, Manchester United should overrule them. Now, for 70 minutes of the game, they did. And United kind of took over from that moment onwards. And obviously, they scored two very good goals to get back in it, uh, to take control. And the third goal was also great. And that's good. United should see the game out. And what happens? 10 minutes to go. It's, there's, a, there's a set piece. It's, a, it's another corner. And once again, Manchester United cannot organise themselves in basic, normal scenarios. So there are two ways of looking at that. It's the players and it is the manager. How does the manager fix this? Because he has to. We can't keep doing this every week. And why are the players like Maguire, who's dominant in the air, why is it Lindelof, who's an experienced international centre-back, why can they not deal with these scenarios? The answers are not as easy as yes-no questions but they've got to fix them. And today, really, those two centre-backs should have been looking after that goalkeeper with that being his first big appearance for Manchester United. I didn't feel they did in the first 10 minutes. You know, I thought that they kind of, they were slow as well and they didn't really foister any confidence. And then that last 10 minutes, you know, your defence has just got to be sure or keep the ball, put it on the deck and be boring. How many times have I said that, Haydar? Be boring. Don't do anything special with it. And even in the last minute, United were still trying to pump the ball into the corner when they could have just made 20 passes and seen the game out, but they weren't confident enough to do that. These are all little things that I pick up on, and I do wonder if it's something that Ole can fix or whether we will keep seeing this now throughout the season. But this is this is exactly what I was thinking. Now, looking at the result and the three points, it's huge. You're looking at United, we've got a game in hand. We win that, we're sitting right behind Liverpool in the table. So you look at that and you look at the, the table and statistics, that's great, but... The problem is, and the, a lot of questions here are asking, monitoring FC saying, yeah, how long do you think we can go along with these slow starts? It's not sustainable. We know it's not. I mean, we had a slow start against Leipzig and we got punished for that. This Manchester United side, Rob, can blow teams away. We've seen that in the transition today at times, we were absolutely devastating. We'll get to that a little bit later. We'll talk about why we're more of a transition side rather than a possession side. But starting like this against a really poor side, like you said, was terrible. To have the mentality turn around was what was positive, but we can't keep on doing this, Rob, can we? And what is it though? Is it the fact that the players aren't going into the game switched on? Uh, are they not motivated? Because these are really basic things that doesn't matter who you're playing, whether you're playing Barcelona or you're playing Sheffield United, you need to be motivated. You're playing for Manchester United, you're going out on the pitch, you need to go and do a job, you need to be at it from minute one. This has happened seven times now where we've gone behind in away games. So, what is the solution to this? 
I, I really don't want to kind of go the motivation side of it. I always say this in football because I don't believe for one second that the players go out there going, right, let's just start slowly. I'm not motivated to start quickly. We saw against Manchester City, they knew that if they didn't start well, Manchester City would rip them to shreds. So what did they do? They started well. It's a malaise. And as I said um, at the start of the show, Manchester United, for some reason, have something wrong with the DNA, with the players that are in the team, to not go on it from minute one. And I don't know why that is. You know, these players are all experienced internationals. They all know what it takes to play for Manchester United. I don't believe for one second in training, they just go, oh, well, you know, let's pop it around. There was one point where I thought after about 15 minutes of today's game, I thought they wouldn't play this badly in training. But I was watching them move the ball around. I was thinking they wouldn't do this in training because they'd get pulled up and ripped to shreds for it. They'd be and their and their teammates would be going after each other, you know, saying, Why are you doing this? Why are you giving me hospital balls? What are you doing? And United were just doing that first 15, 20 minutes. And that's where your leadership function has to kick in. That includes Ole in, in the technical area. And it was quite nice to see him have a go at Wilder with five minutes to go. It felt it felt like there was something there, even though he did give him a hug at the end of it. But for me, you know, Maguire and Lindelof are the senior players in that back line. Tellez, I think, looked shaky for the first half an hour on the inside. Sheffield United were targeting him. They were playing through the channel and he would, he didn't know whether to stick a twist again, like the first game where he was kind of getting caught too wide left and they were exploiting that channel and coming around the back of him. They did that two or three times. I was worried with how Lindelof managed McGoldrick today. McGoldrick isn't Neymar, yeah? He's not. He's not peak Messi. What? what you what, bullied him today, Rob. What, so so what, why is it that a championship standard forward is bullying one of our centre backs? It shouldn't happen. Not like that, anyway. So that was a concern, and I think in the last ten minutes, that also harvested the the kind of mini comeback from Sheffield United, which wasn't expected and shouldn't have happened. But Ole really has to kind of dig deep below the surface and, and be ruthless now because I just think that players that he's stuck with for a year or two years now, I think the, the anniversary of Ole's two years at Manchester United as manager now has come up. And it's about looking at this and saying, right, what do we really need to improve immediately? I still think that back line, despite it doing quite well last year and starting this well, not so badly, it doesn't fill me with confidence. I don't look at that back four and think this is a back four that takes Manchester United's trophies. I feel like it's a back four that maybe holds the door open for the next big defender to come in, someone who can lead from the back. Maguire today, I just saw slow on the ball, slow off the ball, not great at decisions, not winning headers in the air in the last 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, just smash through them. Just get just... Go and hurt them, you know, go and do something that's kind of atypical of a big man defender. But he wasn't doing that either. It's not all a complete nightmare, but it puts United in scenarios that they don't want to be in. And we see it every week. You know, we can't keep doing this. We will get caught out. And eventually what happens? You play Tottenham Hotspur and they smash six against you. And really what we saw the start against Spurs is seen being replicated many times since and beyond but you haven't conceded six as a result of it. You might have conceded one or two. And United conceded two today against potentially the worst team in the Premier League. And I've got no time for Sheffield United. Now, I think they're going to get relegated. I think Wilder will get sacked in the next two months. I think they're a football team on the way back down. They've not invested correctly. And they gave United a game today and they probably shouldn't have. I'm happy with the result. I think it puts Manchester United in a better position in the league, even though I don't really look at the table at the moment. 
the performances are getting there going forward, but still lots of creases to iron out. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I'm going to read out some of your comments, some really fantastic ones coming in. We've got uh, Neo here. Don't think we should be getting too excited. This team is bottom of the league and we still make it difficult to win. Absent Daddy, this is a great point here. Yeah, I really don't see a leader in that back four. We should, should have been hearing a lot more chat. That's the point, Rob, isn't it? There isn't many yeah. leaders in that side. And Maguire was, has come in to, to be a leader. And while he does it off the pitch, I don't think he's a leader. I don't think he's vocal enough on the pitch. And him and Lindelof, the question I've got, I wasn't too worried about those two starting. I know that's Ollie's. Not Ollie's the wrong word. I wasn't surprised they were both starting because they're Ollie's go-to uh, first-choice centre-backs. But this is a game that you know Sheffield United you know, are physical. They're strong. They're going to go and play direct. You know McGoldrick. You know exactly what it's going to do. So why wasn't Axel playing? Why doesn't Axel get a game? And that's a big question. And that, those are the things I ask questions to Ollie about that. You know exactly when you... It's like last season when you play Watford. You know Dini's just going to bully Lindelof. Lindelof bullied a lot today. He did a fantastic pass for the assist, but he was physically done today. And that's a question. It's these sort of things where Axel would have been perfect for this. Give him a couple of minutes, manage him, get him to play a little bit more. So for me, that's a little bit of a, a concern. I'm going to read a few more comments, Rob. Jamie's saying here, Leeds is a massive game. The Warrior are back for... I think so. I really, I do think so. I think we'll worry their defence because I don't think they're particularly good at the back. But let's go on and talk about Henderson, Rob. And uh, United Arena, you know, that really great account. Uh, I just want to credit uh, him because he's put up a really good post here. And I'm just going to read out some of the statistics um, comparing Henderson and De Gea in terms of their short, medium and long passes. And I think this is really key because a lot of people have been calling for Henderson to play. I think De Gea should be number one. I've been saying this since uh, Henderson came back because I think that apart from the shot stopping which Henderson does well, there's a lot more to being a keeper in Man United. You're expected to play out the back. So looking at Henderson last season at Sheffield United, he only played 1% of his passes in short passes for Sheffield United. No surprise there. And Hare was 9%. And when it came to medium passes, Henderson was 18%. De Hare was 63 And long ones, De Hare was 28%. Henderson was 81%. Now you saw tonight. It's a it's a defender. Oh, sorry, a, a goalkeeper that's not used to playing out the back, and he made that mistake. And I thought, I, I I wasn't really angry with him, but I thought you've got a long way before you can be main. That was number one because yeah, you, you're a good shot stopper. I think he commands his area well, but playing the ball out with his feet is something he needs to work on. Yeah, again, you know, when you're playing out from the back with your feet you've got those options of short, medium and long. So if you're a goalkeeper like Edison or Allison, you can do that kind of the whole the whole thing in that side and that half of the pitch and you can spread the play and you can be a sweeper effectively. Nobody expects Dean Henderson or David De Gea to be some articulate passer of the ball as a goalkeeper. The, the modern goalkeepers are, but you still have to kind of just do the basics. So in that moment there... What did I see as a problem just in that moment when Sheffield United scores? The issue for me there was Harry Maguire playing the ball back inside. The goalkeeper gives it to him and the goalkeeper thinks I've done my job. I've given it. So Maguire turns left, sees someone's coming back. He goes right again. You shouldn't be doing that as a captain. If you're going to do that with a kid who's just turned come into your goal, you have got the problem. So what happened there was that the ball went to Henderson's feet and he's looking long. You can see kind of where he's looking along the line. and. Uh, Lindelof has kind of go, gone towards the corner flag. And that's the problem. Lindelof needs to be pushing past 
the striker who's advancing, which obviously with the two players, obviously got the ball off him. And then McGoldrick's got nowhere near him and obviously slots it home. So it's a complete mess. And what you find, I think, with that is that that is a product of A, Henderson not playing a lot of games for Manchester United, because that's what it is. It's getting used to these partnerships. But it's also up to those two centre-backs to 100% play their game and do it properly and not sell their goalkeeper short. Hey, it's Henderson's fault. The goal is his his error. Yeah, and he does save us right at the death with that fantastic save, which, you know, that makes that free all. And that again came from United being inept defending through the middle, through the centre. And that worried me in that last 10 minutes where I just wanted the centre-backs to take control, put the ball on the ground. Hey, we're ball-playing centre-backs, as we're always told about Lindelof and Maguire. So start playing with the ball, please. Yeah, don't give them chance to hit it long at you and that you have to you have to fight them in the air, which is what happened. It's naive, but it's also just a little bit thick. You know, it's just it's not good enough for Manchester United. These two defenders have to do better. So when you can see two goals against probably the worst team in the Premier League, you have to kind of say, well, what was it? And I think it was a combination of that. It was Henderson's first game in the team like this. But really, those two centre-backs have to protect him. And yeah, he might want to go a little bit longer because that's what he's used to have has done at Sheffield United. But he can also play a five-yard pass if the centre-backs move. And that means you look after that goalkeeper. De Gea does that. De Gea, and I think they've worked that out. You know, most top teams play out from the back. And United need to learn that. I've got no problems with Henderson today. One mistake, but also made the save that won the game as well. So it balances it out at the end of the day. Yeah, with that, there's a few comments here. Uh, Franz is saying we will get caught out that defensive midfield and centre-back area is a time bomb. That's what we're going to talk about now, Rob. This segues nicely. The good and the bad of Nemanja Matic. Now, Nemanja Matic is a player for me, you know I, I like him a lot. I think he's a player who United have missed a lot this season in terms of his quality. And in the last season, he was a key in terms of allowing us to play that Pogba, Matic, Bruno midfield. We look much better defensively as well. He he covered up a lot for uh, Lindelof and Maguire. But obviously this season, he hasn't really hit the levels that we expect him to. He's taken a little bit of time. I'm starting to think now his legs might be gone. I think he's definitely now at the stage where United need to be phasing him out. They've given him a three-year contract. I'm not too sure why. Maybe they're looking at Ghana. Maybe he's going to be the one that's going to come in a little bit later on. But I think when you look at Matic, there was two sides to his game. I thought he was... Decent in possession. He had about 89% pass accuracy and he had the most touches, uh, nearly 100 touches. So he did well in that respect. thought he held on to the ball well. And we do hold on to the ball better when Matic plays as opposed to when McTominay and Fred do because he's better on the ball. But the first half really, for me, exposed a lot of United's midfield issues. And that's basically when we don't have the ball, what are those two men doing? Now, Matic, his position is odd for me at times. Either he's dropping too deep in between the centre-backs, or he would be going too far forward, leaving lots of gaps. So the question I want to ask you is, what do United do with that defensive midfielder position? Because we talk about this every single week. We know Oli's gone to the McFred combination, which is working to an extent. We're solid, but we're struggling in transition. And United really need, need to now, for me, is where I think you need, United need to invest in that defensive midfielder position. Before a centre-back, and before a right back, they need a defensive midfielder. Until they do that, we'll not be able to play on the front foot like we want to. Well, I think, look, when Ole decides to play the double pivot, which is quite often, you know, he likes 4-2-3-1. We saw that again tonight. You don't really play with a defensive midfielder. Now, what Manchester United did today in terms of the shape, 
was to kind of find the balance and allow Tellers to kind of just push on a little bit more. Like you saw in the first 20 minutes, Tellers was getting caught on his heels. He was too far back. They changed the shape. What did they do? They allowed Matic to kind of come back in almost as a, as a centre-back. So he would come and get the ball. You'd have Maguire then push out to the left-back position. And you would then have Lindelof being as comfortable in the right channel. Now, when United took control of the game and managed to get the game back to one all, that tactic worked perfectly. Because what did it do? It allowed Tellers to be 30 yards more forward in his starting position, but it allowed Paul Pogba to run the game. So Paul Pogba had some magical moments today. He also gave the ball away two or three times where you were thinking, just pass it, Paul, you know, play it, play it short, play something, you know, easy. But of course, with the third goal, that all comes about because Paul Pogba sees the pitch in widescreen, makes a little move, does a little spin, plays the ball into the centre and United are away. That's why you have Paul Pogba in your team. But you do also need the balance. And I think today with Matic, I don't actually think he played that badly. I think for me, at times when Pogba maybe was sitting a little bit more, Matic was kind of going for these strolls forward into kind of the left wing position. And you were kind of thinking, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? Just let Pogba go and do that work. And you sit a little bit more. But the, the anchor for Manchester United in midfield allows them to do that. So one goes, one sticks. The idea now is to find the correct combination if you want to carry on playing 4-2-3-1. The thing is, I don't believe Ole wants to play 4-2-3-1 going forward. I don't think he thinks he wants to play that come either the end of the season or next season. So philosophically, that's a tough one. Because if we go and buy for that system, like we're talking about now, because that's what we've been playing, you've got to be careful about the play you kind of buy for that number six role. So today, United played not really with two number sixes, but the double pivot was flexible. It allowed Pogba to maybe step out of the pocket a little bit more. And by and large, it worked. It didn't work in the last 10 minutes when United suddenly became a huge mess. And that's where your centre-backs have to say to the midfield, come towards me, you know, stick a little bit more. Don't push out in, into the channels anymore. Come closer to me. Let's make the game tight. Let's slow the game down. Let's make it boring, as I always say. That's up to Maguire. That's up to Lindelof. And I think you saw later on, what did Ole do right at the end? He brought McTominay on for some insurance, but didn't really have a lot of impact. Might could have maybe done that 10 minutes before and kept control of the game a bit more. It is a problem for United. We talk about it every week. Defensive midfield. I'm not so sure that there are huge options out there where you just go and buy a player and fix it. It might be a case that you buy a progressive midfielder and fix it that way and then be able to play 4-3-3 more effectively or a diamond more effectively than 4-2-3-1. I think Ole plays this system because it's the system they know best and it's the system they make least mistakes in. And tonight, they did try and mess it up in that last 10 minutes. We could be sat here now talking about a three-all game and about how it all just went to pot in the last minute for Manchester United. Thankfully, we're not. And United can move on from this game and now get ready for a really, really tough match against a, a hyper crazy opponent like Leeds United who are going to come for your throat no matter what they're going to play attacking football and if you make mistakes at the back they will punish you yeah I think conversely for United it might work in their favour that sort of game we're we'll talk about it a bit later about the transition where we need to excel we're devastating on the transition playing on the counter I think that could work in our favour as well but they're going to press us really really high if they're going to press us in that defensive midfield centre-back area we're in trouble I read out a few of the comments Rob guys thank you for all your comments keep them coming in that's what makes the show so great so interactive 
Um, Neo Singh here, United cannot control a game when they concede. They refer to the natural instincts, which is to attack. I think that's fair. Raonak saying the problem with our team is decision-making. So many times you see a pass when they should shoot and vice versa. This lack of decision-making runs throughout the team. I think that's very, very fair. And I've got a another um, comment by Ahsoka over here. I genuinely believe Fred could be a partner for Pogba. I understand his passing is erratic, but if he develops that aspect of his game, he fits in brilliantly. He's mobile, has energy too. Rob, let's talk about that with Fred. Is Fred a viable option next to Pogba? I have doubts, but that's possibly a midfield that I would look at. My biggest problem with Fred is that he seems to be much more comfortable as the one that isn't sitting, the one that's looking to press the opposition, the one who's going to be busy, win the ball back. And I think his passing ability or his passing range isn't at the required standard. I think United need a ball-playing player in there, not a destroyer. Well, like I just said there about the centre-backs, you know, it's not whether they've been good or not because last season their record was good. And I think at the start of the season, Maguire and Lindelof have done okay and done quite well. We've praised them on this show. But we've also praised the likes of McTominay and Fred because of the maybe some of the formations that Ole's put out, who have had they've had good performances. But the key question, Hader, has to be over and over again: Does this player or do these collective of players take you to the next level? That's what we have to look at at Manchester United. That's the stick or twist. That's the bit where we talk about risk and reward. Does Fred coming in there? either in a 4-2-3-1 or in a, say, a 4-3-3 where he'd be more progressive, or if we played a diamond with him playing on the side of a diamond, do these things make Manchester United a better team to the point of potentially challenging for a title? The sweet answer to that is no. So I just think you have to kind of look at it and say, right, okay, you know, horses for courses. Yep, you have to play Fred sometimes, just play McTominay. There are games where they are suited. So I think today I liked the changes that Ole made. I think the rotation was good. I'm a much, I much more favour playing a United side with the front three of Rashford, Martial and Greenwood. And I think today we saw the effectiveness of that because they know each other. They know what they can do. They got shots off. Two of them scored goals. So United got productivity from that. But when we talk about Fred... You still want a midfielder in there. Like if we're saying someone plus Pogba, then that person has to really suit Pogba. So you have to go and find your Kante. Yeah, you have to go and find your Makaleli, you know, and there's not many of them out there. You know, and this is the problem, I think, when we look at United, that you need protection. So Matic today, I think, did the job quite well. You know, this is what I'm saying. I don't think he's ever going to be a player now for, for United that you kind of come away from and thinking, oh, yeah, he was full of energy today and he really stood up to it. He's always going to be almost like a third centre-back in that formation because he's there to let Pogba go. But I think for with Ole, when we're looking at, you know, potential midfielders going forward of signings, you know, there's Saul, obviously, at Atletico. There's players of that ilk of a higher standard where I think United may have to look. And the truth is, I don't think Paul Pogba is staying. You know, it could be a case that United offer him that contract and it all works out and suddenly, you know, click of the fingers and suddenly Pogba saying, yep, I'm happy again. But I think Paul Pogba looked at that. Do you know the first goal? Did you see it today? They That goal happened and the person on the edge of the box going was Paul Pogba because he's looking at these three players behind him thinking they should be able to pass the ball and they can't. That gets in players' heads and they think, you know, what? I'll probably go somewhere else and just play my football at a club where they can pass the ball out from the back to me. Little things like that, it's it's a it's a variance, but ultimately 
it does go through players' heads. I don't think Fred is the right player to take Manchester United forward in that midfield. I think they do need to buy for that position eventually. Might not happen in January because you don't always get your targets in January. I don't expect United to be busy in January, Rob. I think if a an option comes available, someone which is not going to be too expensive, let's say a Trippier for 10 to 15 million, I think United exercise the option on them. They are going to go and spend 40, 50 on a, on a Zakaria and they're not going to go and spend big on a on a Upamakano, which would Trippier, obviously does like Trippier take us forward. You know, you buy Trippier. Does Trippier no, not necessarily you know, a player that wouldn't get in the Tottenham team? This is what I'm saying. Like, obviously, we're linked with Trippier now, and Trippier would probably be a cost-effective addition, you know, to at fullback. But then, like I keep saying, you know, it's fine to bring squad players, and I'm an advocate of that. I've said that many, many times, especially during the last transfer window. But this is when the, the issues we're talking about now are ones where you've got to go right. This is my player for the next two or three or four years to take United into that realm of contenders. Do we just pad the squad out a little bit more? Or do we say, right, Pogba's going. Let's use the Pogba money correctly. Let's get a great player in there. But also bring in maybe, say, another player who complements that great player. And I don't think United have done that in the past. They didn't help Pogba for a long time. And you saw that Pogba suffered because of that. So I think he will go. And I think that United might have to by a completely brand new midfield going into, say, the summer transfer window next year with the players that we've already got on big contracts having to play supporting roles as they already are. It really depends, Rob. I mean, it depends what United want to do. If they think Wan-Bissaka is one to build and develop, and that's going to be United's first choice going forward, then signing someone a little bit older is, is sensible. If they feel like that he isn't the player, and that's a, that's another thing. If he does, if he's not the player to do that, then they need to go and get someone who they feel is younger who can do it. Or they still go for the trip here and they think Ethan Laird's in the academy. He's filled out. He's looking good. If he can keep fit, he can easily take that spot. So it depends what United are looking to do. Let's talk about Pogba, Rob. I thought Pogba was fantastic today. I thought he ran the show. You really saw his qualities. You, saw, I mean, the, the way that he, you know, he can turn, the way he carries the ball. Not one player in that squad currently, or not many players in world football can do what he does, in my opinion. When he's on form, when he's on song, he's an absolutely wonderful player. He's been United's one of their top performers, top three performers in the last three or four games. What I like about Paul Pogba when he plays in the deep run, and I know he prefers to play further forward, or supposedly he does. I know that fans want to see him further forward. But for me, I think he just he has that vision. He can pick a pass, and that's what United lack when, when you've got other people playing. So... Talk to me a bit about Paul Pogba. What did you like about his performances? And is it any sort of surprise that he's looking a lot more focused, sharper since all this news has come out? And he just, he looks like he's just enjoying his football and playing. Yeah, I think two things today. What we saw with from, from Paul Pogba and from Marcus Rashford is that they both look fit. And that is a big difference. So when those two players are not fit, they are at 50% of their energy and their powers. And you see that they make mistakes. So I've highlighted um, on this show, obviously, in the last few weeks about Marcus Rashford, that obviously with a shoulder injury, he can't sprint. And today you saw him sprinting and it made a big difference. It's exactly the same with Paul Pogba. When Pogba's injured or Pogba's not fit, he dilly-dallies on the ball. And he did today once or twice. But overall, he moved the ball with the first touch. And he's one of the few midfielders at Manchester United that can do that. You can actually look up not really have to think and just play that ball. Now, it's passing a ball is one of these really kind of underestimated skills from football fans. I think fans kind of look at it and think it's just the easiest thing in the world. 
Um, but to do it in a kind of natural style that joins the dots, as I was, I was talking about joining the dots every week, about how you go from A to B to C. And you think about Rashford's second goal today, that all came about Manchester United not thinking, just playing, play football like you do in the schoolyard. Bam, 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 bam. And suddenly you're at the top end of the pitch and you can score a goal, at least get a chance. Pogba was the facilitator today. And that allows Bruno to go and play in areas that are just a little bit more dangerous. Bruno was a trekkerista today, played behind the front three, in and out of the channels. Didn't drop too deep this uh, today, did he? You know, in we recent weeks, we see Bruno almost coming back into the number six role, kind of coming very deep to get the ball and losing his effectiveness because he's working so hard. But today, he was allowed to just play in the unoccupied space. And Sheffield United weren't good enough to kind of pick him up in those areas. But for you to do that, you have to have a player like Paul Pogba in there. If you'd played McTominay in there today, that wouldn't have worked. If you'd played Fred in there, that wouldn't have worked. If you'd played Donny van der Beek in there today, it would not have worked. And I think yeah. we saw with van der Beek in that last 10 minutes, it's maybe, you know, it's unfair on him because he's not played many games. But like, again, I highlighted about his kind of one-track pace that he does, whether he's on the press or on the ball, he doesn't kind of speed up to Premier League pace for the moment that he's in. He just kind of plays Eredivisie pace. Now, that is a problem because he came in that last 10 minutes. That's when United got swamped because Sheffield United went for the throat. And that was when you just needed some smarts, some running and just keeping the ball. Pogba did all of that today. You know, he had all the energy in the world. I think as well, in the last minute, he was the guy coming into the box, heading the ball away. And there was bits I saw and I thought, yeah, he wants it. You know, whether people have their opinions about his transfer or where he's going to go or whether he wants to beat United, whether they like Minerola or any of this stuff that is just junk and doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, I think he's in the moment. He wants to play for Manchester United as it is now. But a lot of it is about United proving themselves. I think if United go on and have a really good season this, this year and we see progress, he would be tempted to stay. But I think as it stands, he's probably looking at it and going, does this team get closer to the title? Am I going to be partnering Fred next year? Or can I go to a club where I've got a better partner? These are big questions. So I think I think he did well today and I'd like to see him continue starting. I put him in my starting 11 before the match. And the first tweet I got was, Pogba, are you having a laugh? So I put him in my one as well. The problem is, Rob, like we've spoken about this plenty of times and I was doing the same thing during the game saying, yes, Van der Beek is a good tidy player, but he's nothing like Paul Pogba. Right now, if you're going to play a Matic or a McTominay with another player who's going to be the more ball-playing one in a double pivot, it has to be Paul Pogba. And I've got told, well, Van der Beek's more tidy in possession. Yes, control, but you need someone who's going to pass the ball. And that's what Paul Pogba does. I'm, this is nothing against Van der Beek. Mm. We saw with Fred, right? Fred took what a year to uh to acclimatize and to get used to his to the pace and uh, he looked like a really terrible signing didn't he and now he's starting to show the player that he is it's going to take time and this is what i think fans need to understand is that we saw against van der beek we saw van der beek against istanbul and while we won 4-1 he was all over the place in terms of his positional awareness ollie's not seen this ollie doesn't think as well he said before the game he's not physically ready so that's why van der beek's not playing paul Pogba still would be that one of the first names on the team sheet if he's fit firing and if he's if he's committed if he's not committed he doesn't play so obviously Oli's seen something yeah. and said right he's obviously training hard so he's going to play so i just i don't understand why there's so many shouts for van der beek to play every time pogba's on and said van der beek oh van der beek's played this amount of minutes pogba's a better option and united are a better side when pogba plays pogba's a better player 
just as simple as that. Like football, sometimes you have to go down to the fundamentals. So I know again that football fans have been, or let's let's take it as it is, yeah, and call it as it is. United fans are really upset with Paul Pogba because of what's happened in the last week with Raiola and what Raiola's comments are. Rightfully, lots of Manchester United fans get upset about that. But as I've said, you you do have to kind of detach yourself on the training pitch and when you're the manager you have to you can't look at it like that it's not the first time that a player said they wanted to leave the club and you might have to pick them or not lots of people have said to me Ole is weak for picking him now we've seen in this game and maybe in the last two or three games Ole made exactly the right decision to play him so you could drop Van der Beek in there but I think you'd have problems of playing him in the double pivot now when we first saw Van der Beek come into the team he played the double pivot and we did a masterclass straight after. And a lot of the feedback was, oh, wasn't Van der Beek great in terms of, you know, getting the ball forward and being progressive? And when he was in the final third, he had, he looked good. But if you're in the double pivot, I'm not interested in what you do in the final third. <laughs> the first thing I want you to do is, what are you doing in the double pivot? That's your job. So I think Van der Beek, to come into a Premier League double pivot, will struggle. And he would struggle for quite a long time. Not because he's not a good player, but just because in that in that part of the pitch if you lose the ball you've got to be physically aggressive to get it back yeah you've got to be you know and, and this is the whole thing about where do we play van der Beek. it's not a case of will he not play or will he play or what positions like i said today i'd have been happy for him to have played maybe behind the, that front three in the number 10 role or the trekker easter and then you'd have to have done something else with bruno but you've got to try and find that balance you can't sacrifice the, the need to play a player just because. And I think that's what lots of Manchester United fans are doing now because they want Paul Pogba out. So they're like, get out of our football club. We don't want to see you play. But if that means that you hemorrhage points, that makes no sense either, does it? You know, you've got to play Pogba at the moment. He's still your best option from six to eight. He's still the guy that can make that pass. The third goal today that kills the game effectively or gets United over the line, that's because of Paul Pogba, not anyone else. He started that move. Hundred percent. That's what that's what I said. And the problem is, there's a lot of emotional views that how dare Pogba play? You know, how dare he play for a club again? It's just nonsense. At the end of the day, he's paid. He's he's paid to do a job. And if he's training hard, he he gets selected. I'm gonna read out a few comments, Rob. Some yeah, good maybe. ones here. Just for FT, Van der Beek is not the creative player. That's a misconstrued opinion of most Agreed. United fans. Spot on. We've been saying that on this podcast. That doesn't mean Van der Beek's not going to be a good player. But I think at the he's just got to learn the position. He's got to learn the system. Can you play in that deep role? That's the question. Preferably, if United go to 4-3-3, Rob, and they get another defensive midfielder in, Van der Beek would be better playing in that position as two weights with Bruno. Because I don't think Pogba's going to stay. There's another comment here from H Bonds Money. Bernardo Silva is one of the best midfielders in the world. And he comes off the bench for City. Why can't people accept there are only three spots in midfield? He doesn't even suit the double pivot, in my opinion. That's the best comment tonight. I completely agree with that. And that's what it's it exactly is. What I've been saying. That's, that's yeah. the most beautiful example that anyone's ever gave, given on this show. Yeah, I've said this. Well. I've said that. Someone even said to me today, "Why did Manchester United buy Donny Van der Beek? It's ridiculous because it's all off the bat now of what Van Gaal said the other day about him not getting in the team." So I said the same thing. The, the whole point of it is, is that when you strengthen your squad, you try and buy players that you haven't already got. You don't replicate them. You find players who do different things. Van der Beek does different things to what our other midfielders do. Cavani does different things to what our other strikers do. You know, when you look at our back, our back line, you bring in Tellez because he's different to Shaw. You're not going to bring in a Luke Shaw number two. That's not how it works. So when you're building squads, you know, Van der Beek's a perfect signing because it means that Manchester United can play more systems. But, you know, the challenge is there for Donny. You know, and Ole would have said to him, 
you get stronger, you get fitter, you get Premier League ready, and you're going to play, mate. Otherwise, you're not going to play. You're going to sit on the bench and you're going to have to play cameos. Now, some players rise to that. You know, in years gone by, Mkhitaryan didn't rise to that, did he? When he came to Manchester United, it didn't work with him and Jose. You know, Jose didn't play him. He didn't even get in the starting squad for like the first three or four months. And Mkhitaryan came to England as potentially one of the best players in the Bundesliga. So it does happen where players find the jump to the Premier League difficult. I'm still hot and donning. I still think he can do it. And I still think he's got a future at Manchester United. I don't, you know, first two, three, four, five months, it's just about settling and learning. And fans have to also not put the pressure on to, to kind of, you know, because they're, they're so excited to see this new star and all of this. Donny van der Beek's a good squad player who's got a lot of upside, who could be a starter for Manchester United in years to come. He's still only young. Give him time. There is no rush. Absolutely. I'm going to read the final one before we move on to the next topic. The Pogba hates stinks. He's the best player when he's firing. Van der Beek doesn't do the thing that Pogba can. That's in a nutshell. Both very good players. Pogba's on another level when he plays like this. Only made the right decision tonight. Would we have scored the second goal, I believe, with the pass from Martial? Which Ali McCoy was saying, I don't think Pogba meant that. It's just nonsense. It was and odd, then, wasn't it? They made a lot yeah. at halftime and during the game of... Uh, I don't think he really meant it. It's odd because other players don't get told that. You know, if Bruno Fernandes makes that ball, everyone goes, oh, great ball. That's what they say. But Rob, he did say so, it later on. Well, you know when Bruno did that ball over for Mata, he goes, oh, Bruno Fernandes definitely meant that. There's a weird agenda. Look, yeah, I just, that, that, it's fair, I, hasn't it? I most certainly don't want to make any kind of assertions on why. But but it only happens with players. Like Pogba, like Pogba is, is the antithesis of what happens with a player who makes a, an incredible pass like that. And I, I kind of agree. I don't think he was trying to play it to feet. He's playing it into the space for the striker to attack. That's his job. That's the ball. That's the magic. You know, so, uh, and they made a big deal of it before halftime. And then at halftime, they kind of did a whole segment on it. On did, did, you know, did he mean it? And the only, only one person said he meant it. And that's the guy who's managed Belgium. So, you know, and backed him up. So I don't know. I, again, I don't know why Pogba gets it. I have my own theories, but ultimately great ball. And then for the play for the third, you know, for the little kind of spin move and getting United going. And then obviously Mason gets the ball and gets fouled and United are off. Fantastic piece of play. That's what Manchester United could do. Yeah, they can rip teams to shred, but everyone needs to kind of be on point at the same time. Yeah, let's move on to positives for tonight because at times when United turn it on, they're devastating and they're really good to watch. And we talk about the you know Pogba's excellent individual bits of brilliance, but the finishes were very good today. Rashford's out in run. Sheffield United playing a high line. I think we identify that quite well. Something I've liked about Lindelof, I know defensively he has his issues, but he's really come into his own in terms of his ball playing ability. We're seeing more of that. He's stepping past it's a great pass. striker. Yeah, Lindelof. what a great, great pass. pass. What a finish by Rashford. Rashford looked, looked good today. I was I was impressed. Yeah. And then you had all three goals were quality goals. Then you had Martial, really happy for him. I thought he played well. He ran the channels. Um uh, sorry, he ran he ran um as a number nine better today, not the channels. He's obviously been playing off the left. I thought he played more like a number nine today. I thought he looked busy, he was working hard, some lovely touches and link up play, more than Martial we saw last season. And naturally, you know. He's delighted he's got his goal. That's massive for his confidence. And he got the final goal. Jonathan saying here that goal was fire. Yeah, that was an absolutely lovely goal. Again, Pogba starting it. Bruno with a lovely layoff. 
to Mason, um, to Martial, and then to Rashford as well. Fantastic football. So there are positives here. United, after a slow start, show some great mentality to get back into it and to get those goals. But it's about it's about being comfortable then. You know, the teams, the best teams, when they get themselves ahead and they're comfortable, they see out the game, they take the tempo out of it, they take the pace out of it. United can't do that. So what I notice is that we seem to be a side that's better in transition. We create more in transition than we do when we, we play with possession. So what I mean by that is that United excel more when they can hit on the counter, when they can break. And a lot of the reasons why is because they haven't got enough players that can control the tempo of the game. So talk to me about the positives, what you liked from today and obviously going into the Leeds game and why you think United are much more stronger than transition rather than playing the ball in the deck, being more possession-based, grinding teams down and and just completely overwhelming them with their possession. Well, when you've got genuine pace, you play on the transition. That's what you do. Transitional football is all about how quickly you can go from A to Z and you need quick footballers to do it and maybe someone to pick a pass. So United have got that. Obviously, so we've got, you've got Pogba, you've got um, Bruno, and they can kind of find those balls. And then you've got three strikers who are d- both deadly in a straight line, either whether they run in the channel or running in behind. This is why I also kind of was quite low on maybe Cavani becoming the starting number nine. Because if you play Cavani, you then got to be really good at getting wide and crossing the ball. Now, Man United are not good at that. They've not been good at that for years. So let's not try and reinvent the wheel. Let's look at what we are actually good at and try and build on that. The front three we saw today is the front three I want to see take the club forward, not just this season, but in years to come. This is the front three that will win Manchester United titles. It's what's behind that front three that will make the difference in that midfield and in that defence, whether it be finding two fullbacks that do provide assists that we don't currently have, whether it does that you find a quarterback, anchorman, who plays in midfield and looks after that space, like I've said, a Kante, whether you keep Pogba or not, or you replace him with someone like Saul who can do different things. It's all about what's behind that front three. For me, the front three is okay. You know, I know lots of people, including yourself, Haydar, said about Martial as the number nine. It's not whether Martial is a natural number nine or not. It's can he do what you want a number nine to do? Now, what I liked about Martial's goal today was it was a mess. It was a messy, horrible number nine's goal. He gets through the ball there. He makes, he he miskicks it, first of all, and then he puts it away because that's what, proper number nines do they don't have to score beautiful goals they don't have to be coming on your right foot and put it in the top corner and everyone kind of that's what you want rob clutching i want yeah number nines are about doing the dirty stuff so cavani does the dirty stuff like the two goals obviously he scored off the bench recently were typical number nine goals and obviously everyone got very hot on that i don't believe that marshall cannot do that you know people say i don't think you can do the number nine role because Ultimately, if someone can find the pass, and in this case, it was Pogba, we know Pogba can play that ball and he can play it with his eyes closed. So it's just up to Martial. I don't know if you saw in the replay, before the ball comes to Pogba, he actually points at Pogba when the ball's coming inside because he's already predicting that when that ball goes to Pogba, I'm making my run. And you saw that. All the body language was there. That was all off the training ground. He says it. Pogba gets it. Pogba doesn't even look. Pogba just literally with a kind of sand wedge, chips it into there, takes all the pace off the ball. And he misses the ball first time. He makes a mess of it. But he didn't lash at it. He just he just flicked it away. And I just saw, 
I like that because that is actually a number nine who's confident. Now people say he's not scored goals this year. He's lost his confidence. I don't know. I do not believe that at all. I just think he's had a bit of a barren run. It happens to strikers. Aubameyang got told he was rubbish last week, then scored a goal five minutes, you know, 11 games into not scoring. You have to stick with it. And I think we stick with this front three. So that's what I really liked about today. Of course, I liked what Pogba did. I think Teller's got better in the, in the game. I thought Wan-Bissaka actually was okay today, not any kind of major mistakes. When United set up to go and play Leeds, they've got to be really careful because Leeds have got this effervescence about them that if you don't stand up to them and if you don't press them, they're going to press you. It's just simple as that. Yeah, They won't let you stand off and play slow, boring, turgid football for 20 minutes if you don't want to start the game. They're coming after you from minute one. And I tell you what, there might not be loads of place differences between Sheffield United, who were great last year in the Premier League, and Leeds where they are now. But this Leeds team is better than this current Sheffield United team by quite a long way. And they're hot. And Bamford is hot. United have, United have to be careful of all of these things. It's a difficult match because... You know, maybe the occasion will push United on. You know, it's a, it's a team that we've always, you know, we love playing against Leeds. Well, it's, a, it's a rival, Rob. It's, it's an absolute box. It's a derby. It's a derby. Well it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Roses derby. You know, it's Yorkshire, yeah. Lancashire. And, you know, whether United's players buy into all of that, I don't know, because we've not played Leeds for a long time. But certainly the fans do. United are going to have to be good in this next game to get the win, even though, you know, they've got certain advantages. Leeds are a bit hot and cold, but United today, they showed they've got enough to go and take out teams from the bottom half. And that's where United become the team they want to be in the next step by going and playing teams who are 10th, 11th, 12th and further down and not making a nonsense of it. You know, it shouldn't be 3-2 against one of the teams in the bottom three. You know, you should be comfortable. It should be 3-0 and you just see out the last 20 minutes by making substitutes. United is still not very good at that in terms of keeping the ball. Why is that? Might be because of how well they coaches them. Might be because the players just take their eye off the ball in certain scenarios. But United just need the leaders to step up. And today was a good, it was a good result. There's no doubt about it. It was a, it was a decent performance. But also, like one of the comments said earlier on in the show, I'm not kind of coming away thinking that was a great performance ever. I thought it was okay. And I thought in that last 10 minutes, I was biting my fingernails down to the bone thinking one decent cross into the box. If they don't clear it, it could be trouble. Thankfully, Henderson, fantastic save on his debut. He'll remember that. That will give him confidence for future matches. I do think De Gea comes straight back in now. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Where I'm really happy or what I'm really happy about is the fact that after seeing our rivals drop points, we've seen this over the past couple of years that when our rivals drop points, we don't capitalise, we have capitalised. We've gone above Chelsea. City obviously have not hit their gear at all. And Tottenham also dropped points. So I think that's a positive for United. And that's what I was worried about going into the game. It's not that I was worried about Sheffield United. I'm worried about, well, will United be able to turn it on? Will they be able to go there and get the result? And they did, and that's positive. I'm going to read out some comments, Rob, regarding Martial, because there's some great ones here. Um, Olu six, Martial is a type of number nine. Oliver and Solskjaer wants someone Agreed. that can actually hold up and link play. Our attack looks completely different. When Martial doesn't play less fluid and can't keep the ball. Jonathan's in here. The goal Martial is consistently told he doesn't get was obviously he got to a scrappy goal. And that's what Oli wanted when he came in. Yeah, yeah, he wanted him to score these sort of goals, run across six yard box. Remember the one against Chelsea beginning of last season, or I believe it was. Uh, where we won 4-0. Um, that was a proper striker's goal. 
Ahsoka's got a comment here. The problem is that Rashford, Martial, and Mason Greenwood are confidence players, and that hurts us a lot on our attack because don't get can't get going. I think that's to do with age as well, though, Rob. I think maybe not Martial; he's getting a bit older now. But I think there's still still young players who ha haven't hit their prime yet. You're going to hit your prime what 26, 27. You just have to look at Liverpool's front three; they're a lot older, aren't they? In their sort of late twenties, and they're much more complete. And that's in that respect. So I think that's how it will be. But Something and I, I do want to say. That's why you stick with them. That's why you stick with them because yeah. they're young. Yeah. Yeah. Something I do want to add to that about confidence, though, is that we've con we've conceded a lot of goals first, and we've come back. But the problem is, though, is that this is a confidence team. I know a lot of teams are confidence teams, but when United score first, they'll go on and they look so comfortable, they look happy. But when United uh, concede first, it's just it's like a different side and. This is something that the players haven't solved. It's something that I don't think Oli's solved yet. What does that come down to, though? Because it shouldn't be that much of a level in performance because we've seen what we're capable of. I think that's a frustration for me. I was happy with today's result. I'm not going to think too much into it because I know this is a busy Christmas period. It's about getting the three points, and that's what I'm going to be happy about. You know, I just got to keep plugging away game, game after game. But... The confidence differences between when we score first and when we concede first are huge, and that's a bit of a concern. It is a concern. I would say that, like, I agree with you. The whole of the Manchester United team is a confidence team. You know, when they're flying, they're great. And when they're kind of asked to do very basic things and maybe kill games and slow matches down and take control of a game, they're not very good. Now, that's not actually a connection to confidence. That's being intelligent and being savvy. So you have to look at it position for position. Now, when you're a striker or forward, or certainly playing in the way that United do with a front three, in, in, when they're flying forward in the 4-2-3-1, players are playing off their wits. It's all very quick. The movement's quick. It's all about exploiting pace and exploiting the channels. So that lends itself to you kind of having a more of a confidence game. That's not a kind of architect's uh, move like where you'd say like Cavani would say when he's playing number nine he would just kind of stay in that channel between the penalty spot and the goalkeeper like I've talked about before so that's what he does as a number nine but when those three play together Rashford, Martial and Greenwood it's it's much more fluid and it's all about exploiting what they can do with their talents now this is why I say you stick with them because it's going to weeks, be weeks it doesn't work but generally when it doesn't work it's not actually them it's either the production that's going on behind them, how United are joining the dots from midfield to attack, or whether they're getting isolated. It's not really about them. We see Martial and Rashford and Greenwood link up tons, don't we? And quite often it comes off like today. So again, Martial got told, did he mean that ball for Rashford? It doesn't matter if he didn't mean that ball for Rashford. They scored. You know, he was cutting across the line and Rashford smashes it for the third goal. And it's a goal. So it's all about the goals and the results at the end of the day. So I think we saw last season this front three scored more than any front three in the Premier League. It scored more goals than the front three of Liverpool who won the championship. So that in isolation is a great statistic because you can take that and build on it. And that's even with a poor midfield and a poor defence or what I would call in terms of comparing to say Liverpool who were the champions. So... I don't worry about that front three. You keep that front three. You tell them that you believe in them. You tell them that you love them. You put your arms around those three boys and you say, go and do what you do best. And we'll sort the rest out behind you, whether that be Pogba pulling the strings, whether it be a Van der Beek coming into the team now, maybe being a more effective number 10, whether you keep Bruno kind of playing in those holes. 
there's lots of options for United now, but the build isn't finished. So we can't judge the front three until the rest of the build kind of comes up to speed or up to scratch. For me, Cavani, great substitute number nine. Keep him there. We don't need him more than that. He's a substitute number nine who can do you something different than your current number nine. But I'm with Martial. You know, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't have fan clubs when it comes to these players. I don't, I just look at facts. Martial scored a ton of goals last year, got a ton of assists. Stick with him. He didn't start well the season. Stick with him. You can't change it all the time. Give him your trust. Yeah, that's absolutely a good point there. What I will say, though, Rob, is that they don't get enough chances, the front three in general. We don't create enough. If you look at Liverpool, you see the amount of big chances or the amount of chances Salah's missed. But then you also look at the goals he's scored. He's clinical, but also he misses a lot of chances because they're just creating chance after chance after chance. And I don't think United do that enough. So I don't think the front three are getting enough. So disagree with you on Martial. I don't think he, for me, I don't think he is the player to go forward. I think eventually what will happen, I think Mason Greenwood, a couple of years, he'll take that spot. I think United need to go and invest in the right winger. That's that's how I would see it. I think Martial's a good player, but I, for me as a number nine, he's not the sort of player I think United need going forward i think they need someone who's a bit more traditional someone's going to play on the last man a bit more um but i'm going to read out this comment or question rob from grant love the show boy thanks grant thanks for all your support perhaps he's saying you've covered this already but curious to get your take on how you expect ollie to manage the squad rotation in this busy period that's a really great question because rob we've got a lot of games coming up and we're just looking at our own schedule we're going to be doing two shows a week now till what mid-january so uh, you know, we need a bit of rotation as well. Someone's coming and filling. Um, but you're looking at the rotation. I think he's doing an okay job of it. I think he's doing pretty well. You don't want to change it too much because you don't want to see, um, you know, players go out there and play together and then cost us points. So what would you expect him to be doing? Because I think Bruno needs a rest. I think he's someone that's played a lot. I mean, there's more questions here. This is a good one we can add on from Asoko. At what point does Pelicri get a game? He's looking quite good, isn't he? Still young, but he's looking mm -hmm. like he's, a good talent. So how do you expect Oli to rotate? And do you think that he's going to be making wholesale changes throughout the Christmas period? Well, the first thing you've got to do is not submit reckless rotation. So you don't change for the sake of changing. What you do is you, you plan those eight or nine games again, like I said in the last show, and you've put your perfect 11s into that system of where you think, right, who do I want to play? So today we saw a little bit of rotation, not in terms of the system, but maybe just in, in terms of the role playing. You saw Tellers get a full game. Um, we saw obviously Marshall come back in and be the bona fide number nine. We saw Mason playing his role from last season. So Ole's kind of just tweaking stuff in the correct way where players know what they're doing because they're used to the formation, used to the system. That's how I think Ole will do it going forward. So like you said earlier on, you know, would you have played two and Zabi? Now, personally, I wouldn't have played two and Zabi today. That's not because I don't think two and Zabi is going to be a better player than Lindelof. I will absolutely subscribe to that 100% and say that I prefer two and Zabi to Lindelof. But this wasn't the game to do it. You know, against a kind of uh, a Sheffield United team who are quite industrial and will go back to front and will try and hurt you more directly, you need someone that knows the system inside out. Now, I'm sure that Axel does, but that's not the minute to trust him at that moment. It's not to say, right, come in now against a more physical team. What you want, Axel Tunzabi is a ball player. Yeah, I would say he's a better ball player than the two centre-backs. So, you know, the two centre-backs are also ball players. So it's, you're not really kind of exchanging like for like in that scenario. But 
there's definitely a chance for Tu Zabi now in the next few weeks. He will play matches, even if it's just rolls off the bench where he might come in and do 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And you're trying to find ways of giving players minutes. For instance, Matter comes in today, gets some minutes. When do you risk Palestri? Well, it will be in a scenario now that I believe that we can now name nine subs. Is that right for the Premier League? That was changed today. So that's where Palestri will get his chance. That's where Diallo, when he comes to the club in January, will get his chance from the bench. That's the that's the right and proper way to do it. I like what Ole's doing. I've no, I, there's not been a team selection this year where I've kind of gone, oh, there are plenty of times where people have tweeted me and gone, why has he changed that? Why is Van der Beek not playing? That's the common one. You know, why is Pogba playing? I don't want him to play because I don't like Paul Pogba. None of these things are about that. It's not a popularity game. It's about who fits the opponent at that time. Leeds are going to be a tough game. It's not the kind of game you want heavy rotation because there's going to be some passion in there. It's a derby, essentially. And Leeds are going to be coming for a big result to a place where they've had big results in the past. So maybe next week you see something a little bit more surefire. You might see Fred. You might see McTominay. You might see United be a little bit more solid in the middle to stop Leeds doing what they do well. That's how you rotate. You don't rotate frivolously. You rotate with meaning and you rotate by looking into the future, into January, into February, looking at these games, 10, 12, 14 matches in the future. If you get injuries, you can't do that. You just have to play players. But in the ideal world, like City have done in the past, City have had big squads and almost changed their team every week and it's worked for them fine. This year, they're trying it. doesn't work because they haven't got good enough players. They haven't got company. They haven't got David Silva. You know, Bernardo Silva sat on the bench. You know, Aguero's hardly playing. It's hard if Aguero's injured. So it's, you know, so it, it's all kind of, you know, square pegs. So you, you've got to find ways. I think United squad now lends itself to more rotation. And I think Ole should do that. However, if he does a rotation and people don't like it and we lose, he'll get killed. So there's always that danger. I don't think he really cares about that ultimately. I think he's quite thick-skinned, Ole, even though people say he's the baby-faced assassin and smiles his way through pressures and all of that. He does what he does because he believes it. That's why he's playing Paul Pogba, not because he's soft. It's because he believes he's the right player to play. And I think we'll see that continue now for the weeks ahead. Absolutely, Rob. Final words, I'm going to say, I think it's a, it's a really good three points, really important three points. When you're looking at the table now, I think our game in hand is possibly going to be about the first week of January. So mm -hmm. it's either Bunny or Villa, I believe. Um, so look, United put themselves in a really good position after a difficult start. That's five wins and six now in the Premier League. It's, it's, it's really good. And one draw, it's, it's fantastic. I hope to keep it up. What I will say is we've got a very big game on the weekend. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. They've been absolutely fantastic. Please share this, share this podcast because we want to get as many people listening. We've got many people around the world listening and you've been such a great support helping us do what we do, Rob. So what are your final words and uh, your thanks to listeners as well? Yeah, thanks to listeners. Obviously, we have got listeners on every continent on the planet all so quickly from every time zone. I think some of you saw me today tweet out all the different time zones for people that are listening. We understand that if it's the middle of the night now, wherever you are, whether it be India or in Asia or in Australia, that you should really be in bed. You shouldn't be listening to the masterclass. But I do know that I listen to Boston Celtics podcasts at 4am after games. So I'm a little bit stupid like that as well. So I get it with sports fans. We're all a little bit stretched like that. But we're here for you in terms of talking tactics. We want to keep it salient. We want to keep it balanced. 
and we want to interact with you. So use Twitter, use the show, come on here, give us the questions. We'll answer them as the best we can. And we'll try and be positive where we can be. You know, I think a lot of podcasts that do this kind of thing, they're either overtly negative or they just give you a load of shouting feedback like some fan channels do. We try not to do that. So we're very, very pleased to have you all with us on the Masterclass and we're delighted with how it's all going. Absolutely. we got a John here from Kenya. Thanks for listening, mate, honestly. Hope you enjoyed today. Jonathan, thanks for your support. Great pod. Love the content. And uh, Nitip as well. Great show. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, guys. We'll see you live after the game against Leeds on Sunday, I believe around 6.30 p.m. UK time. So have a lovely week and we'll see you on the weekend. Thank you and good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.